This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Let God Handle It, and it comes from 1 Samuel 26. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talking could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song was ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with a tax-deductible gift. So won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648. And there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talking is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Now, if you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com or catch us wherever you listen to your podcast. We're there too. Search for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. Well, today we pick back up in chapter 26. And this is really almost a repeat of chapter 24, except we see that David learns to leave it in God's hands. And he teaches that lesson where before we saw in chapter 24, where David spared Saul's life, that was really about returning good for evil. Also in chapter 24, David was being chased by Saul and 3,000 men. And Saul stumbles into a cave to relieve himself, and he finds David and his 600 men, except he didn't know he found them. God had predestined a time and a place for David to have an opportunity to speak into Saul. And Saul committed right there at the end that he would not go after David again. Now, it's two chapters later. It's chapter 26. Remember, that's chapter 24. In chapter 26, we find the story again that Saul is seeking after David. He's chasing after him with all his men to kill him. But before we get into that, remember last week we took a little turn. We saw another evil man similar to King Saul, someone that did not treat David the way he should have. His name was Nabal. Nabal was shearing his sheep. David said, hey, we've helped you. We just want to be paid. Pay us in food. And Nabal said, why would I pay you? Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? And through that whole incident, we really looked at three people. Who was Nabal? He was a wicked and he was an evil and he was a rough man. He was greedy, and he didn't want to give up what he had. It was all about him. And then we looked at the peacekeeper, and that was his wife, Abigail. How that she was able to speak into David, how she was to create this peace, how she didn't want this battle to go down and for her to lose her husband or for anything to happen to David. And then we saw David, and we looked at David briefly about how he had to learn from being a rash and a selfish response how when somebody spoke to him and didn't give him the dignity that he deserved, what did he do? He responded in a selfish way, but how to become a peacekeeper. And that takes us to chapter 26, which is very similar, like I said, to chapter 24. But the focus is different. Here we're going to see that David leaves it up to God. 
Now, when we left David and Saul in chapter 24, David had spared Saul's life, and in return, Saul had promised not to pursue David any longer. Unfortunately, that was only a momentary repentance of Saul's part. I told you that Saul didn't have a change. He was sorrowful, but he didn't change. He didn't turn from his sin. And there's too many Christians in our church today that have had an emotional encounter with Jesus Christ, but they've not changed the way they walk their daily life. They're not following after and obeying his commands. Very similar to what we saw Saul do. So today we'll see Saul is back on the hunt for David again. And you would think that this would give David even more reason to take revenge when he has the opportunity today. But David has learned some important lessons over the 10 years. And that's how long it's been. And what the commentaries tell us is that this is a 10-year period since Saul has been chasing him. This is about 10 years. So you, over this 10-year period, he's learned a lot of things. And he's had an opportunity to kill Saul one time, but he's learned to lay it all in God's hand and to walk with the Spirit and let God lead where he goes. And I hope today that you will see that you need to learn just like David. Instead of seeking personal revenge, we should leave it up to God. We should demonstrate our importance in God. We should trust God to make things right for us. We should trust God to protect us. And we should trust God to reward us. And we're going to look at all three of those today. So with all that said, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 26. We'll start in verse 1. I'll read the first seven verses. Then the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is not David hiding himself on the hills of Hakalah, which is on the east side of Jesmon? So Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph with 3,000 chosen men of Israel to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul encamped on the hill of Helkalah, which is beside the road of the east of Jesmon. But David remained in the wilderness. When he saw that Saul had come after him into the wilderness, David sent out spies and learned that Saul had indeed come. Then David rose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay in Abner the son of Ner, the commander of his army. Saul was lying within the encampment while the army was encamped around him. Then David said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Joab brother of Abshir the son of Zerah, Who will go down with me into the camp of Saul? And Abishai said, I will go with you. And we'll stop right there for now. So as we get into this lesson today, let me ask you, how do you leave things up to God? Well, first, we have to trust God. And I pointed out the three ways that we do have to trust God. And the first one is we have to trust God to make things right. And we see right here in the first 11 verses that that's what David does. David leaves it up to God that he will make things right. We see right here in these seven verses that David is full of temptation, but he doesn't give in to it. He lets God do it his way. And we're going to see that as we get through the next couple of verses after the first seven. But the first thing is, the Ziphites have come back to King Saul again. They say, hey, we know where David is. Remember last time we told you we could help you? But then you bowed out after we had him in our hand. In verse 2, it says that Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph with 3,000 chosen men of Israel to seek David from the wilderness of Ziph. That's a pretty good-sized army, considering that David only has 600 men. 3,000 versus 600 is a significant advantage. And as I told you, commentators say that there's been this 10-year chase after David, and David has become much wiser. And how do I know that? Because it also says that David therefore sent out spies. 
He was wise and he was a capable commander. David constantly monitored the movement of Saul because it was getting harder and harder to hide from Saul because not only did the 600 men, but now we know there are wives involved because we learned that in the last chapter that he took on two wives. So there's more than just 600 men he now has to hide. So he has to constantly monitor the movement of Saul. And so David knew where Saul was and he decides to go check it out. That's what the Bible tells us. The Bible also tells us that Abishai is with David. Now, Abishai is David's nephew. We learned that from 1 Chronicles chapter 2. You know, he's one of three brothers. There's Abishai, there's Joab, and there's Ashel. All of those are sons of David's sister. David asks the question, who will go down with me into Saul's camp? Now, this would have been a very dangerous move, but David feels confident in doing it. And guess what happens? Abishai raises his hands. I'll go. David, you're our leader. If you say it's okay to go, I'm with you. I'm all in. I'm down with it. I kind of smiled, and you can't see it on radio, but just a, a week ago, I was with my brother, Nate, who was in town visiting. And it's funny because I was telling him, Nate, you got to learn to add a little more lib. We used the term down with it. That used to be an 80s term. It's not used anymore today, but we see right here that Abishai says, I'm down with it. I'm 100% in. I'm committed. I'm all in. And then in verse 7, we see that David and Abishai sneak by night down into where Saul is sleeping, inside the camp. And there is a spear in the ground right by his head. Look at that with me again at verse 7. So David and Abishai went to the army by night. And there lay Saul sleeping within the encampment with his spear in the ground at his head. And Abner and the army lay around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has given your enemy into your hand this day. Now please let me pin him to the earth with one stroke of the spear, and I will not strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, Do not destroy him, for who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And David said, As the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him, or his day will come to die, and he will go down in battle and perish. And the Lord forbid that I should put my hand up against the Lord's anointed. But take now the spear that is at his head and the jar of water and let us go. And right there in verse 12, so David took the spear and the jar of water from Saul's head and they went away and no man saw it or knew it, nor did any awake for they were all asleep because deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. So we see right here in verse 7 that David and Abishai, they've snuck down. They're, they got the cover of night. They're right in the middle of 3,000 men that are encamped all around King Saul. And King Saul's there in a deep sleep, because we see that in verse 12, and he has a spear that he loves to throw. We've seen that throughout this first Samuel. He has a spear right by his head, and he has a jug of water also. And Abishai looks over at David and says, God has given your enemy to you today. Now, please let me have the joy of taking his life. Let me pin him to the ground. I promise you it'll only take one blow. But David tells him no. David gives him really two reasons. He says, Saul is the Lord's anointed as king. Even though that's true, we did learn that the spirit of the Lord had left Saul. And then look at the trust that he puts in God. He tells him that God himself will strike Saul. Either Saul time will come and he will die or he will go into battle and he'll perish. God made Saul king and David knows that. 
And it is God's job to decide how and when he removes Saul from office, not David's, even though Saul doesn't have the same respect for David. Maybe David has even learned from the last chapter when he was dealing with Nabal about how he didn't, as a future king, need to have blood on his hands. And what would it mean if he had the blood of Saul on his hands? And so he tells Abishar, it's not my job, it's God's job. God's got this. So what do they do? They grab the spear, they grab the water jug, and they sneak out of camp, just like they sneaked in. Now I'm sure that Abishai was frustrated with David and his decision. He was convinced by what he said to David that God had given him this opportunity to kill King Saul. Not to show mercy, but to kill him. In today's time, Abishai would have had a shirt printed up that said, I snuck into the enemy's camp and all I got was this lousy spear and water jug. But David was right. As a matter of fact, even Paul taught this to the Roman church. In Romans 12, 19, it says, Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, some of you hearing that love the idea of heaping coals on your enemy's head. But to do that, what does it say? It says, leave it to God. Give it to God and walk away. It's not our job to show revenge. It's God's job. And we see that right here in 1 Samuel. Leave room for God to do his thing. Leave room for God to do his work. Leave it up to God is what I'm telling you. How do you leave it up to God? Well, first, you trust God that he will make things right. And we do that by watching out for temptation and letting God handle it. Now, the second thing we see is that we got to trust God to protect us. We don't trust in man to protect us, but we trust God to protect us, not man. So what happened? David takes Saul's spear and water jug, and he and Abishai leave the camp together. They make it in and out of the camp without waking anyone up. Not so much because they were experts at sneaking around and being in stealth mode, being some type of ninja, but because God was watching out for them. God is protecting them. God has put the soldiers in deep sleep so that no one wakes up. That's what the Bible says. Now, once they're safely out of the camp, what happens? Look at verse 13 with me. Then David went over to the other side and stood far off on top of a hill with a great space between them. And David called to the army and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, Will you not answer, Abner? Then Abner answered, Who are you who calls to the king? And David said to Abner, Are you not a man who is like you in Israel? Why then have you not kept watch over your lord the king? For one of the people came in to destroy the king your lord. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die because you have not kept watch over your lord the lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is and the jar of water that was by his head. So David and Abishai, they're safely outside of the camp now. David calls down to the army, especially to Abner, the commander of the army. And he starts wailing on Abner. He starts calling him out. He's saying, why are you not watching out for the king? Why do you deserve to live? You're one job. You had one job. I watch ESPN on Saturday mornings for football. And one of the show, one of the highlights they had was you had one job and it shows how people failed. This would be a highlight on that show. You had one job, Abner, and you didn't protect the king. How could you fall asleep where I could have killed the king? 
Someone has come in and took his spear and his water jug. Here's the thing. King Saul put all his trust in Abner, and Abner had failed him. And it shows us that men will fail us. I started off this lesson telling you that we have to trust God, and there was multiple ways. And the point that I want you to see here is that we have to trust God and not people. Think about it. David and Abishai were alone in the midst of 3,000 enemy soldiers, but they were perfectly safe because God was protecting them. He put those soldiers in deep sleep. They were safe. But on the other hand, Saul was being protected by Abner and 3,000 soldiers. He was being protected by man, not by God. Where was his trust versus David? And he found himself completely defensive against David, and David could have took his life, but he didn't. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 146, verses 3 and 4, Put not your trust in princesses, in the Son of Man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth on that very day his plans perish. Unfortunately, it's a sad fact. You can have really good friends and they have the best intentions of the world. But man will let you down. People will let you down. But God will never leave you or forsake you. Trust in God and not people. And that's the point I want you to get. The next thing I want you to see is that we also have to commit it to the Lord. Look at that with me. Look at verse 17. Saul recognized David's voice and said, Is this your voice, my son, David? And David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. And he said, Why does my lord pursue after his servant? For what have I done? What evil is on my hands? Now therefore let my lord the king hear the words of his servant. If it is the Lord who has stirred you up against me, may he accept an offering. But if it is men, may they be cursed before the Lord, for they have driven me out of this day, that I should have no share in the heritage of the Lord, saying, Go, serve other gods. Now therefore let not my blood fall to the earth away from the presence of the Lord, for the king of Israel has come out to seek a single flea like the one who hunts a partridge in the mountains. So what happens? Saul recognizes David's voice and he calls out to him. And David responds by committing his way to the Lord. If God has told Saul to go after him, then David will make an offering. But if men have told Saul to go after him, then they may be cursed before the Lord, is what David says. David goes on to say that they have driven him away from his heritage. They have encouraged him to serve other gods. What I want you to understand is that the Lord's inheritance here refers to the covenant community living in Israel. David had been driven from his people. He's been driven from the land. He has been driven to other lands where he could have been tempted to serve a foreign god. So what it comes down to, he's saying, Saul, either God has told you to come after me or wicked men have done it. Either way, David commits his way to the Lord. He puts himself and his future in God's hand. Look at Psalms 37, 5 and 6 with me. This is David writing. In verse 5, he says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as light and your justice as the noonday. Then I like how he wraps it up in verse 7. He says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. If anybody knew how to write this, this was David. Evil men had been after him. And we're going to see even in 2 Samuel how even his old family come after him. But he's able to write, Leave it up to the Lord. Put your trust in the Lord, not in man. And that's what I need to ask you today. Do you want to leave it to God? 
then trust God to protect you. Trust in God, not people. Commit your ways to the Lord, just like David has. And then the final thing I want you to see, because I'm starting to run out of time, is that God will reward you. God rewards those that are righteous, and he gives us peace that we can live with God. Look at verse 21 with me. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will no more do you harm, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Behold, I have acted foolishly and have made a great mistake. And David answered and said, Here is the spear, O king. Let one of your young men come over and take it. The Lord rewards every man for his righteous and his faithfulness, for the Lord gave you into my hand today, and I would not put my hand against the Lord's anointed. Behold, as your life was precious this day in my sight, so may my life be precious in the sight of the Lord, and may he deliver me out of the tribulation. Then Saul said to David, Bless you, my son David. You will do many things and will succeed in them. So David went his way and Saul returned to his place. Did you catch that? David said, the Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord gave you in my hand today. That's verse 23. And I will not put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. What we see here for the second time, Saul repents of his sin and promises David that he will no longer chase after him and try to kill him. David tells Saul to Send one of his young men over and I'll give you back your spear. And then David tells him, the thing I want you to learn from is that every man is rewarded for his righteousness and his faithfulness. David has been righteous and faithful by not laying a hand on the Lord's anointing. And as surely as David valued Saul's life today, David expects the Lord to value his own life. And he says that in verse 24. You notice he doesn't say, Saul, because I value your life, you need to value my life. That's not what he says. Catch this. Look at verse 24 real quick. Behold, as your life was precious this day in my sight, so may my life be precious in the sight of the Lord. He doesn't say in the sight of King Saul, but in the Lord. May he deliver me out of tribulation. He doesn't say, will you stop putting me into tribulation? He said, may he deliver me out of tribulation. Where is his trust? His trust is in the Lord. And he's saying, I'm going to be rewarded for my faithfulness and my righteousness, for living right and doing the right things, following your commands and being faithful, chasing after you. You are going to take care of me, O Lord, not King Saul. The book of Hebrews tells us that God rewards all those who that do right. Look at Hebrews 6.10 with me real quick. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. Here the writer of Hebrews says that God's not unjust, that he won't forget. He notices your work. He notices the love that you have shown to others, how you've lived a righteous life, how you've taken care of them. God rewards those who do right. That's what he's saying. And then the second point I told you is that we need to have a peace with God. And we can have that peace with God knowing that God is sovereign. That God can make our enemies have a peace with us. And that's how this wraps up. Out of all this, the sovereignty of God, David put his trust in God. And now he's saying that God's going to take care of me. I'm putting my trust in you, God. And I want you to see the value of my life. And I want you to take away my tribulation and the sovereignty of God is able to manipulate Saul to do what? To be repentful and to leave him alone for a period of time that 
he goes his way and David's able to go his way. Now Saul asked him to come on back with me. And we know that Saul really reacts to the last person that talks to him. That's what we've learned, or at least what I've learned, is that Saul's one of those people, we all know him, the last person they talk to is what they think. And so right here, David has got to him, he's gotten in his ear, and he's told him about how he's done nothing wrong and how God has spared his life today, even though he gave him over his hand. And so Saul acts sorrowful, but he has not changed and repent. And so David doesn't go with him. It says David went his way and Saul went his way. Saul does speak a blessing over David indirectly, I think. He says right there in the last verse, in verse 25, May you be blessed, my son David. You will do great things and surely triumph. Now, this is the last time that David and Saul will see one another. But he speaks a blessing over him, whether he meant to or not. And then Saul returns to his home. This idea of the sovereignty of God shouldn't be new to you, but him being able to give a peace over your enemies with you, even Solomon wrote about. Turn with me real quick to Proverbs 16, 7 to see what Solomon wrote. When a man's way pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So God rewards those that do right, and God can even make the enemies at peace with you when you put your trust in him, and he rewards you in that way. Let me finish with this final thought real quick. How do you leave it up to God? Well, you do that by demonstrating three important areas of your trust in God. You need to trust God to make things right. You need to trust God to protect you. And you need to trust God that he will reward you. When you decide to take matters into your own hands, that shows that you don't really trust God. We shouldn't be trying to do God's job for him. God doesn't need your help. He may use you to do his work, but he doesn't need you to do his work for him. When we take it in our own hands and no longer trust him, because that's what we're saying, you can't handle this, I've got to handle it myself, then we take away God's reward for us. We prolong the conflict, and a lot of times we miss out on opportunity for God to show our enemies that we live in peace with them and how that he can use the greater good for his good. The next time you're tempted to seek a personal revenge for something that somebody's done to you, something that someone said that they've hurt you, they've lied about you, whatever they've done, maybe they stepped on you in the business world. Don't take it into your hands. Leave it up to God instead. I'll turn it up a notch. It's not only when we want to get revenge, but that's just a fact that we need to learn to walk in every day. That we trust God. We leave it up to God. We trust Him. We trust Him with our salvation. We trust Him with our family. We trust Him with our future. We trust Him with our work. We trust Him day in and day out and every day. When we truly understand who God is and how sovereign God is and how God is in control, how God is large and He can change any situation, life goes better because we trust Him and we allow Him to handle and live out the plan he has for us. The question today for you is, do you trust God? Do you trust him in every area of your life? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and Lord, I thank you for speaking to me through this lesson today. Lord, there are times when I just say, okay, God, I've got this. I'm going to put you on the shelf because I've got this one. I don't need you to step in. 
But Lord, let me understand that you want to be a part of every single moment of every single day out of every breath I breathe. And those that are listening, Lord, let them understand that as well. Lord, let this lesson fall on fertile soil and go deep and let us apply it to our life. Not only to hear it, but to live it out before you, Lord. Lord, maybe there's one today that isn't trusting you that they want to get the revenge themselves. They're holding a grudge for whatever reason. Lord, I pray today that they will just lay it at your feet and they will give it to you and say, Lord, it is your revenge. Lord, I'm going to let you take care of this and I'm going to start living in peace and I know that you are sovereign. You're going to handle this. Lord, maybe there's one that doesn't understand at all because they've never asked you to be Lord of their life. Lord, I pray today that they would do that. They would confess with their mouth they're a sinner. Lord, they would believe on their heart that they that you came and you died on the cross and that you rose again and you overcame death and you made a way you were that perfect sacrifice for us. And Lord, that they would confess you with their mouth. Lord, that they would chase after you and they would turn from their wicked ways. They wouldn't be like Saul who said something and had an emotional experience, but they would allow you to change their heart. They would truly believe on that and have a change and chase after you and follow after your commandments. Lord, we thank you for all the blessings you give us. It's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.